The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast, Monday, March 9th. Oh, my goodness. Where is the time going? We are getting close to the draft, April 23rd. I, I'm Will Brinson, by the way. I'm the host of this show. I know how far away the draft is because the first day of the draft is on my wife's birthday. Thanks, Roger Goodell, really hooking it up there. We're going to talk some draft today. It's Mock Draft Monday. Ryan Wilson, of course, joining me as he does every Monday. What's up, buddy? Yo, yo, yo. That's a good job. And also on the horn with us, Josh Edwards at Edwards CB. Oh, look at that. Wait, yeah, you did see- Oh, very nice. Well, very here's nice. Thing. Edwards CBS. That's great. He gave you props on Twitter, but since you have your weird thing with Twitter for the last two weeks, you haven't seen it, but I, I saw it and I actually, I like that tweet. I got to tell you, I'm mentally refreshed. I've, I've, you seem as crazy as ever, but go ahead. Oh yeah. I'm insane. Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I was down in Charlotte over the weekend, went and saw Sturgill Simpson and Tyler Childers. Yeah, I, I didn't know if J.J. Jonathan Jones had come to Raleigh or if you were in Charlotte because you sent us, us a picture. You guys, like uh, the two biggest spaces that, that could fit onto, onto the iPhone screen. I was like, oh, those guys look like they're having fun. Yeah, I was. Uh, he was. He had texted me about my lack of tweets, and I texted him back and said, yeah, I mean, it's a long story. But tell you the text that I sent him while you guys were together? He must have uh, yeah, yeah, I told him you sent me the text. Yeah. No, I sent it to him like once I found I saw the picture of you guys. I oh, te- no, what'd you say? Let me find it real quick. You can keep talking. No, my cousin Aaron and uh, her husband Dustin came and met me and my brother Charlie and uh, before the Sturgill show. Uh, anyway, we went there. It was fantastic, man. I mean, Sturgill, uh, I'll tell you, I was blown away by Tyler Childers. He is awesome. That guy, those guys jam and Sturgill, of course, crushed it. It was, it was weird though because it was like, I think it was like a country crowd, mostly country crowd there for Childers. And they were, I don't know, not as enthused as maybe I was for uh, Sturgill Simpson. It was such a good show that my neck hurts. Is Josh a Sturgill Simpson fan? I guess he, Josh, uh, are you a country fan? I guess well, he, not so much. I mean, I'm familiar with him, but it's, you know, it's not like I listen to him driving back roads on a nice day in the <laughs> summer. What do you, what do you listen to when you're it's driving a- back roads? He was driving. Does anybody have time to drive back roads in the summer anymore? Does, do, do people still do that? I mean, uh, I, honestly, if I'm just listening to music, just driving, you know, cruising, I'm probably listening to some classic rock. Okay. Uh, like, are we talking like Led Zeppelin, 100%. Zepp, Boston? Little Boston, okay. Foreigner, Sticks, oh, Eagles. Oh, I mean, you know, whatever, whatever's going to play, I'm, I'm, I'm down for. Josh is born 30 years too soon. A little, uh, little edgier side to you than I would have guessed in terms uh-huh. of musical taste. I like it. By the um, way, here's what I tweeted, JJ. Once I saw the picture you tweeted, you you sent to us on over text, all caps. Find out why Brisson got in trouble for tweeting. <laughs> JJ acted like he didn't know what I was talking about. Did he? Said, yeah, we already had this conversation. So no, yeah. see, I didn't. See, now you're making anyway. We're gonna. I, I didn't get any trouble at all. We're gonna do NFC East team needs today. Uh, we're gonna talk about pro days, which pro days you to watch for, and of course. I can't do it Monday without a hashtag mock draft Monday. Ryan Wilson, three round mock drop today on CBS sports.com. Uh, where does a, um, 
three round mock compare for you in terms of uh, pain in the assiness relative to a one round mock, Ryan? At this point in the proceedings, it's not that bad because you know sort of everyone um, that should go in the first three rounds. I think. And Josh, have you done a three round mock? Yeah, came yeah. out Friday. Yeah, see, Josh has already done one as well. And in fact, Josh actually explained to you before the podcast that he'd done one. He was telling a story about that. You were too busy blabbing on and on and on about your engagement story, which may have been the worst story you've ever heard. We will tell it at another time on the podcast once we get Sean and, uh, and, and, and Breach on because they need to hear it. Sean will die, uh, finding out how Ryan proposed to his wife. It's, Humiliating. He might. Yeah, no, all that's true. Usually you exaggerate, but you're not exaggerating. It's, it's, it's so bad. It's anyway, yeah, yeah, Josh has a, a three round mock draft you can check out. In fact, Josh redid his whole three round mock draft when the Panthers traded for Russell Okung and since Trey Turner to the Chargers because he cares too much and he knew he might get in trouble if he put that, put a shoddy product out there. Uh, but for you, so for you, Ryan, we're talking, uh, do you, uh, do you do compensatory picks? Not yet, right? Nah, because they changed the formula, it sounds like. So when they finally sort that out, that, that can be a thing. But that's okay. only six so or you, seven picks. I did, so, uh. So you have 60, no, 96 picks. Yep. You have 96 picks. How many guys did you have to add or drop off your big board in order to get to the 96? Or did you, were you like, nah, I got a list right here. I'm going to be easy for me. Like I have a list that I can easily pare down and form into a first round. Cause that's how, that's how long my mocks are but like if i had to do a three-round mock draft i would have to spend some time building out my prospect uh portfolio as it were yeah but i mean i've been watching these guys since the fall so i i have a pretty extensive list so um i will say this i think i think that um kuiper said 20 how many guys did he say should be top three uh, top three round picks it was something insane in terms of wide receivers it's like more than 20 um so i counted i don't josh i don't know if you know off the top of your head how many you had in your three-round mock i had 13 wide receivers going in the first three rounds, and maybe more good than that, but I feel like that was about the right number, and I was sort of stretching. The last wide receiver I, I had going in the third round was K.J. Hamler, who you could argue might be a second-round pick, but I had him going to the Saints. The pick right before that, I had Van Jefferson going to the Patriots, um, and those feel like really good picks for those for those two teams, given where they got them. I don't know if they're going to be second- or third-round picks. Maybe Van Jefferson slips to the, to the day three. But, uh, yeah, it actually wasn't that bad. The hardest part for me is because I always watch, like, the, the centers and guards last. So I haven't watched a ton of those guys. I've watched the guys who were in this three-round mock draft. But everyone else, I was like, okay, this guy feels right here. Um, that guy feels right there. Um, the offensive line could obviously shift because I'm not a O-line, like, film guy. Like, I don't know. I mean, if a fat guy stands in front of another fat guy and he does a good job of it, I'm like, oh, that seems about right. I don't know anything about you're not you're not breaking down slides and right kick and slide punches. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, that fat guy is better than the other fat guy, so he feels like a third round pick. But it's, otherwise, yeah, you know, it's like a poor man's like sumo wrestling. Yeah, budget. it's like who who? All right, he won. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, yeah. How about you, Josh? How much? Because um, yeah, like I get like I get like nervous. Not nervous. I don't know if it's maybe it's irritated. Like when I get to the back end of the first round, because I'm like. Uh, like, I don't really know, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just harder to fit if you're, if you're working on the, you know, like the, the, anybody can do it. Anybody can mock the top 10 picks. Like anybody can, any jabroni can do that for three rounds. How much harder is it for you? I think it's harder more so because you have to go back each round and see who did I have this team taken in the first round or the second round, making sure you're not uh-huh. doubling up on the same position in a lot of cases, which has happened in the past. But I mean, like Ryan said, we're, pretty far into the evaluation process. I think between me, him, and Chris, we've probably got close to 400 or so at this point. 
um, in our aggregate ranking. So it's kind of, you know, you, you find the team needs, um, does this sound right for this particular prospect? And then you just kind of plug them in. I mean, it's, it's uh, pretty straightforward as much as we've already done to this point to prepare. So um, I would say for me, the toughest part is just making sure I don't have the Bengals taking a quarterback at the top of all three rounds. That that's, that's a very good point. That is Which actually could be a good idea. I mean, I don't, you know, should the Bengals, we, we did this with the Browns a couple of years ago because they missed on so many quarterbacks. It's like, should we have them take a quarterback with every single pick and just let these guys battle it out? We wanted the Browns to take, Baker at one or uh, Darnold at one and then like Rosen at five or Josh at like, but they should have done it because you see, but it would have been a good idea because if you'd done that, you could have then traded Josh Allen or Sam Darnold or whoever else for multiple first round picks in the future. Like you would give up Denzel Ward for two first round picks, right? Yeah. But, I mean, only got a second-round pick for Josh Allen once they traded him from the Cardinals. Josh Rosen, but, yeah, I mean, but, but he stunk for a year. I'm saying you do it, and then you immediately swap it out. Yeah, no, that's not a terrible idea. I mean, let's see. Like, the should the Dolphins like should the Dolphins take two at five, and then if, if Jordan loves there at 18, take him at 18? That's actually not a crazy idea either. I don't know. No, 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 no. It's your next mock draft right there. Uh, so the Dolphins take two quarterbacks. Uh, Ryan. What are the biggest changes uh, for you this week in terms of what you what you did with your not just the first round, but I mean, like, I mean, how 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 much movement was there in your in your full big board here? Obviously, you have Joe Burrow going first, Chase Young going second. No surprise there. I'm assuming you didn't do a ton of trades in the three I round. I didn't do trades in this one because I figure at some point in the future I'll do a, a three round mock with trades. Um, RJ, our draft editor, doesn't have me on the on the budget for a seven round mock, so that was interesting. I may end up doing one anyway. And uh, we'll see. But I think uh, – are you doing one, Josh? Yeah, pretty sure. I'm one of the lucky ones. Josh is doing one. I think RJ likes to do one. So we may have uh, several seven-rounders. But no trades in this one. I had, as you mentioned, Burrow Chase Young going second. And then um had Isaiah Simmons going fourth to the Giants, two going five. Last week I had Jordan Love going sixth to the Chargers. I think he's probably going to be a better quarterback, but that, that's splitting hairs than Justin Herbert. This week I had Justin Herbert going six. It feels like the Chargers are going to sign a quarterback in free agency. So they may, uh, despite that trade uh, with Trey Turner and, and Okung, they may end up drafting an offensive lineman, an offensive tackle for the first time. I don't remember the last time they took one in the first round, but I think they took Marcus O'Neill in the second round back in 06. But since then, I don't think they've taken one early. And we sort of, that's was born out a week in and week out last year when Phillip Rivers was taking a beating. Um, trying to see. CeeDee Lamb going 11 to the Jets. Justin that's, that's, uh, where's Jerry Judy? Jerry Judy 12 to the Raiders. Yeah. So has CD Lamb leapfrogged Jerry Judy for you? They change each week. I feel like you can't, they're completely different players, but it depends feel like, on what kind of, what color underwear you're wearing that day. Right. And worth pointing out, by the way, Josh mentioned Chris Paso, the other, the, the other, the third person in the three man rotation of draft guys here at CBS. He has T Higgins as his number one wide receiver. Which is, uh, that's crazy talk. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. Josh is nodding. He doesn't want to be on, on, he doesn't want to be on audio confirming as much, but <laughs> I think I agree that's crazy. Cause, uh, Higgins hasn't run yet. So we'll see if he runs a 4-2 or something. Okay. Uh, you can make an argument, but I think that's going to be an interesting case. T. Higgins is not running a 4-2. No, he's not. I don't. I, I, I mean, I don't, I love T. Higgins and he's a stud. He ain't running a 4-2. He's not a 4-2 guy. Is he? Am I crazy? He's 46-5. I think if he ran, what do you think, Josh? You're in a four, five, five. That would be that would be pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I think that would be enough. Uh, I think he was talking about possibly being in the four fours, which would be fantastic. I right. mean, I don't, 
kind of like you, I'm I'm not sure that's going to happen. I'm I'm as curious as anybody to kind of see what he runs uh, whenever he does do that at the pro day. But uh, that's kind of been one of the concerns on him to this point, along with the injuries. You know, he's accumulated a lot over the course of this past season. So those would be the two biggest concerns for me. He's he's a heck of a talent otherwise. By the way, I'll point out T Higgins in my mock draft. I'm showing a by the way, I'm showing a four seven five for T Higgins as a high school recruit. Okay. That you know that changes a lot for those kids over the three years or however long they're in college. It is sort of funny you watch some of these guys who are for I don't know what um Henry Ruff, he probably ran four two in, in, in high school as well. But sometimes these guys run four sixes or four sevens and they, they get a lot faster. But uh, T. Higgins I had going in the second round to the Colts at number 44. So I didn't have him going in the first round, and clearly Chris likes him better than, than I do. But um, if he went early in the second round, I don't think that would be a, a bad spot for him. So And, and the Colts need a, a big wide receiver opposite T.Y. Hilton. So uh, that sort of makes sense. And um, Paris Campbell. Well, it seems kind of likely to me that some of these guys will fall, but you did push these wide receivers up a little bit. Do you think, uh, Josh, how – if I said over under ten and a half, when does the first wide receiver come off the board? Ooh, that's good. I would say over. Uh, under obviously being one through ten, and right, yeah, yeah I'm I'm kind of leaning towards over at that point because I think you kind of hit that range right there with possibly the Jets, depending on if if we've seen an, a run at offensive tackle. Um, you've got the Raiders, the Colts, um, you know, three teams right there outside of the top ten that would need a wide receiver. Um, whereas in the top 10, you know, you possibly have Jacksonville, you've got Arizona. I think those would be your two most likely, but even then I think we're kind of hearing it's more likely they take other positions. So I would say it's probably over, um, in terms of that prop bet. Okay. Brian, do you agree? 10, 11? I think 10 and a half is actually really good. Cause I think if the jets and the word on the streets that they're going to try to sign a bunch of offensive linemen in the free agency, mm. which case, um, maybe a team wants to trade up for Lamb or Judy and, and then 10 and a half. Cause I think 11 and a half, I think unders to play there, but 10 and a half might be right on if, if the Jets address the O-line position. Of I just, I just think when you look at it, like, okay, we know like if the Redskins trade down, maybe it could change, but they, you know, I feel like they've got some nice pieces with Terry McLaurin, Kelvin Harmon flashed a little bit last year. They could take a wide receiver there certainly, but that's, you know, I, I don't know if that's how Ron Rivera would go. The Lions, if they traded down, maybe, but I mean, they got Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. They got some depth. There. They got, they got some talent there. Uh, the Giants can't see him really doing it with the way that Dave Gettleman operates that early. He won't move down. The Dolphins, we think are going to take a, a quarterback there. The Chargers, uh, and Pan- the Panthers, don't feel like a team that would take a wide receiver. Um, the Cardinals could take one to pair with Kyler Murray, but they, but like the Cardinals, Jets, and Chargers, uh, either like all if you if you're not going to get a quarterback, and, and the Cardinals and the Jets aren't, those are teams that just and the Browns too have to just have to take offensive linemen. Like you have to take offensive linemen unless you just if they go sign Trent Williams. Then that's maybe that changes the to, to trade for Trent Williams and sign Jack Conklin or something like that. But yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think in that case, you know, we will probably see the wide receivers fall and, yeah, it's a pretty good landing spot if you're the Raiders. Maybe 11 and a half or even 12, yeah, 11 and a half is probably fair, 12 and a half because, um, you know, the Raiders look like a team that could take a wide receiver. What about the first running back? 32 and a half, Ryan, over under. <laughs> That's a good one. I don't think the Chiefs will do it. I keep matra, I keep dra- uh, mocking, if you will, a running back to the Chiefs. This time yeah. it was DeAndre Swift. Yep. Going 32. And then in the second round, I think we're going to see a run on, on running backs. Uh, let me see what I had going on here. Um, the second round I had a running back going. 
49 to the Steelers, Jonathan Taylor. My goodness. And then Cam Akers goes a few picks later to the Bills, J.K. Dobbins to the Falcons, uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire to the Texans. So I think in the second round, that's great value for this running back's class because I like this running back's class a lot, especially the first five or six guys. And um, you don't have to take one in the first round. The Chiefs don't have to do that. They can get one at 63 when they pick again. Um, they could address the defense at 32. So I'm going to say over on 32 and a half. I think second round is where I had my run on the running backs as well. The one team that I did in Chiefs, the Chiefs are a great one there as well. The Dolphins, because they have three picks, maybe they're more inclined to take a running back because you, you probably wouldn't do that if you had one first round pick, but you have three. So that's, you're, you're almost, you know, it's a luxury at that point. You can afford to take a running back with one of those three first round picks. But the team that I kind of looked at in the first round, that I think would be interesting is the Ravens because Mark Ingram is getting up there a little bit. I think DeAndre Swift would be a pretty good replacement for Mark Ingram there in Baltimore. That, that would be spicy. Uh, worth noting that the Ravens, uh, I don't know about, I haven't looked at DeAndre Swift's numbers, but if you, if you want to predict what running back the Ravens would take, make sure that that running back is good out of shotgun. All of their running backs, to be pointed out before the season, um, uh, you know, Jordan, uh, or Justin Hill, it's Justin Hill. Yeah, Justin. Justin. Mark Ingram, Justice Hill. How can I forget a guy named Justice and um, Gus Edwards? All very efficient running out of shotgun because they, you know, they they use the analytics to try and find guys that could pair with uh, that could pair with uh, Lamar Jackson. So I mean, a couple interesting names that you have in the second round here too. Uh, Julian, uh, let's see, yeah, Jonathan Taylor going 49th to the Steelers, as you pointed out. Bryce Hall 50th to the Bears. That's a drop. Lavisca Chenault fell to 51 to the Cowboys. AJ. I can't ever say it right. How's it, how's it say it again for me? Right. It. Sound it out. <laughs> Apanessa. Yeah, that's good. Okay. AJ Apanessa. I want to put an S in there. Yeah, I know. Um, he going, uh, 45th to the Bucks. I, I kind of tend to think he'd be a first round prospect. T Higgins. And then a guy that I love, um, Antoine Winfield. Yeah. He's, he's out of Minnesota. Antoine Winfield Jr. going to the Bears via the Raiders. Uh, with the 43rd overall pick, he's, it's insane that we have Michael Pittman's son and Antoine Wilfield's son in this draft. If you, if you, if you want to feel really, really old. Uh, I agree. And in fact, when I was texting, uh, Jonathan Jones about you, he also mentioned, he asked me if I knew one of the NFL PR people, um, this young woman whose, whose dad, it turns out, is Danielle Marshall. I was like, oh my goodness, really? Yeah, I am so old. Speaking yeah, of- that is, we are, we are up there in age when that's, when that's happening. But, uh, yeah, so I don't. I... We're about to get an influx of a lot more guys, too, because there's a lot more going from high school to college right now. Joey Porter Jr., what? um, Emmett Smith's kid is out there. Um, I mean, there's, there's a ton of them right I now. Know. So I'm trying to think Antonio Gates, his kid's coming up here soon. Uh, Moose and Muhammad's kid is coming up. So there's a lot of them coming down the pike. Uh, and it's going to be one of those, man, I'm feeling pretty old right about now kind of moments here soon. So, I mean, Randy Moss's kid. Was playing in the national championship game. He's coming. Isn't he, actually, he's in this draft, isn't he? Yeah, he broke his foot, I think. That's why he didn't uh, compete at the combine. Um, but um, he actually played NC State. That yeah. is correct. We had uh, Troy Vincent's kid and Randy Moss's kid at NC State at one point in time. And what, which bowl game did he go to that year? Uh, probably the Tangerine Bowl or something. <laughs> By the way, speaking of Epinesa, he only bench pressed 17 at the combine. And he didn't have a great combine. He didn't run particularly well. Um, he sort of compared, he didn't sort of, he said, I patterned myself after JJ Watt, which I understand because he's a bigger sort of defensive end. But JJ Watt ran a 4-8 and he bench pressed 30 something, I think, when, when he was there. 
Bryce Hall's been injured, so it's sort of get a, hard to get a feel on where he where teams feel he is right now. Lavisca Chenault has been injured as well. He ran a four five nine, just had surgery and a core muscle injury, so um, he's got to get healthy. If he ran in, look, if he runs four five, then that's a different conversation. But he just has to stay healthy. I think the Cowboys would love to have him at fifty one. Yeah, and there's a lot of depth in this running back class. But Kyle Duggar, uh, forty two overall, by the way. Uh, Lenore Ryan, the prospect. All right, let's talk about some pro days. Uh, Josh, you broke down. Uh, six draft prospects who need to come back from a bad combine and show out in their pro day. And the first one is uh, our boy, Jake Fromm, Jake from State Farm, Jake from State Fromm, really, if you would be really punny about it. Uh, Georgia's pro day, March 18th. Um, what uh, what do you need to see from Fromm and his pro day to help boost his stock? Well, one of the biggest issues um is the fact that he had those eight and seven and seven eighths inch hands which you know depending on who you talk to it's not much of an issue but for nfl talent evaluators it's a fairly big issue because of what we've seen over the years there's just not a lot of prospects that have success sub nine inches so um that's kind of a, a concern but i don't know what he can really show at his pro day to do much better i mean he's kind of who we think he is he he has an average arm he does a fantastic job reading before the play. So um, he goes through his progressions really well, but you're not going to be able to show that in a scripted, you know, set of throws. And that's probably his strongest skill set. So he's not going to be able to show that. We're going to see his, his average arm. Um, you know, he's not going to be the most mobile quarterback. So he's just kind of who he is. You know, there's not much for him to gain or lose at this point. I still think because of how intelligent he is, um, that he would be a valuable backup, at least initially, and then could possibly work into, you know, a lower starting tier quarterback because I, I think he's tremendous in the, in the way that he processes the game, but there are some other, you know, athletic liabilities. Sure. I'm with Josh. I think he's Matt Barkley. Like Matt Barkley is his great comp. I don't know if it's his floor or the ceiling, but maybe that's, that's the, that's the, the kitchen area. I don't know, but he's, he ain't a guy that you can draft in the third round and expect to start. Like Bray, I was talking to Brady Quinn about this. He thinks he's better than Will Greer, who was a compensatory pick for the Panthers last year in the third round. But that ain't exactly a, a ton of praise on someone. You say, yeah, you're better than Will Greer. I think he's, like, like Josh said, he, he has a chance to be a backup. And then if everything falls right, he, you know, he's in the right place and all of this stuff. He has a chance to have some success. But I just think his athletic limitations are, are going to be the sort of downfall of him being a consistent NFL starter. Uh, another comp I saw, and I like to credit Lance Zierling. I think Lance, or Lance is great at his job. Uh, Colt McCoy is a comp for. Look, there are worse things to be than Colt McCoy. That's killed to be Colt McCoy. Wouldn't have to do this podcast. Be rich, famous. <laughs> my name would be Colt. People in Texas would love me. We can call you Colt if you want. Pee my pants every time I saw James Harrison. I think we keep. I think we can keep coming back to this though, because we're talking Colt McCoy. We're talking Matt Barkley. I mean. He may not be this star player, but you don't necessarily have to be a star player at the quarterback position because, you know, if you come in with a lot of hype, those guys tend to stick around for a long time, especially with Jake Fromm is, you know, intelligent as he is. He's going to be an asset in any quarterback room because of the way that he sees the field. He's going to be an asset to, you know, the Josh Allens, the Lamar Jacksons, you know, wherever he ends up, he's going to be able to work with the other guys in the quarterback room pretty, pretty seamlessly. Uh, so how does the um, how does the pro day factor into your formula for the bigger draft picture? Like, you know, I mean, I I, I find pro days to be, eh, I mean, it's it's like the combine. In fact, it's even it's even less like important than the combine because you're you're on your home turf. 
you know, you are showing off in these bigger, in these bigger pro days for a lot of people and tons of scouts. Um, uh, they're cool to go to. Like, uh, I went to NC State's, uh, lab two years ago. Bill Belichick was rolled up, which is, you know, like you, there's, you never know who you're going to run into at a pro day. Um, th- that's always fun, but. Uh, again, like for these quarterbacks, particularly like everything is scripted, you know, it's against air. You're with receivers you worked with all throughout college. If you don't have a good pro day, it's a really big red flag for me. No, I'm with you. I went, I saw, I went to Syracuse pro day last year and watched Eric Dungy, the quarterback. He was sort of athletic kind of, he ran a four, six something, which is really good. And, um, but he had a terrible pro day in terms of throwing the ball. And, um, I saw them play a couple times. He actually beat NC state last year. And, uh, mm. you remember that game I do. fair with Ryan Finley and, Kelvin Harmon, but uh, he looked really tight and, and sort of uh, uncomfortable at his pro day, and, and I'm sure that had something to do with him not getting drafted. Also, the fact that he, you know, typically doesn't throw the football very well. But like you said, it's just an opportunity for kids to go out there and run one more time. I think if they want to improve on something they didn't like at the combine, or they didn't get a combine invite and have a chance to prove themselves in the long jump or whatever, like uh, Derek Brown ran a eight-two-two three-cone drill, which is glacial like Brinson you could literally roll out of bed right now and run faster 82 he didn't want to do it again at his pro day because I'm sure his agent's like you're going to be a top five pick anyway it doesn't make sense and Wait, what was it 822 so a full almost a full second slower than DK Metcalf's that's really slow it's not fast oh. but I don't think Jake Fromm to to Josh's point is going to improve his unless his hands are two inches bigger nothing's going to change in terms of how teams view Jake Fromm all right um J.K. Dobbins, Josh, made your list. The uh, speedy and powerful Ohio State running back, who's one of many. Like, if you can, if you can differentiate yourself amongst this class, and I don't know that anybody can, you could end up being a first-round pick. But man, it's just tough because it's like J.K. Dobbins, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, DeAndre Swift. Um, you know, all these guys to me are very not similar, but they're just no one's like a you know. There's no like. Christian McCaffrey out there that that's oh, Saquon. Clearly, or Saquon. Yeah, that's a better idea. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, it, it's not so much what J.K. Dobbins did at the combine. It's more of what he didn't do. You know, we saw some of these other running backs perform out there, similar to what we saw at the wide receiver position. We didn't see LaVisca Chenault much either. And then there's all these other guys that are performing pretty well. I mean, Jonathan Taylor had a great combine experience. Um, Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver at LSU. So, there's other guys making good impressions on the talent evaluators, the national audience that was tuning in, which, you know, I mean, that could be debated as well in terms of the success levels for this year's, uh, you know, primetime broadcast of the Combine. But those guys got their name out there a little bit more. So it's not so much what, you know, Chenault or what Dobbins didn't do or, you know, did do. It's what they didn't do. Some of these other guys were making good impressions and now, you know, they may be sliding down a little bit in terms of how they stack up with some of these other guys that did go out there and perform. Fair enough. Um, tight end-wise, we've got uh, Jared Pinckney on here as a guy that you think needs to have a better pro day. And by the way, uh, Ohio State's pro day, that's one you're going to want to know. March 25th, uh, Vanderbilt's pro day, March 16th. Maybe don't worry about Vandy's quite as much. Uh, a, how many Vandy prospects are there out there, Ryan? And B, how does Pinkney fit into the larger set of the tight end position? Because it's it seems to me like this is not uh, not not so not not a not a really strong tight end class. Yeah, there's Pinkney, there's um, Keyshawn Vaughn, the running back. There's Kalijah Lipscomb, the wide receiver. Um, the la- all three of those guys actually were at the Senior Bowl. But um, to Jared, Jared wrote about this actually, or Josh did. Excuse me. The fact that Jared Pinkney ran a four nine six forty, that's a that's a huge problem. Um, yeah. 
that's a huge problem. Four nine six. He ran slower than Neville Gallimore, who weighs three hundred pounds and plays defensive tackle. So the other issue is his his production was way down. That wasn't entirely his fault. Last year he played with Kyle Shermer, who you may know from Pat Shermer fame, and who got a Super Bowl ring with the Chiefs as being on their practice squad. Right. Um, I think they had they they had two quarterbacks this year split time. I think injuries was a was part of the reason. I have to go back and look, but I remember peeking and wondering what in the hell happened, and um, it was the the change of quarterback and, and the lack of experience there. So, yeah, the production's way down. The, the tight end class is not that deep. Uh, Cole Komet or Harrison Bryant, Hunter Bryant, depending on, on what your flavor of the month is, maybe one of the first guys gone, and they could last until the third round. I think they had Cole Komet going in the second round in my three-round mock draft. but that um, And that was to the Packers to replace Jimmy Graham. You know, they drafted Jay Sternberger last year, who, who is, um, extremely raw and he has a chance to grow into that role. So, uh, Pinkney looks like a day three guy. When you run four, nine, six, there's no two ways about it. Unless he's going to turn, convert to, to right or left tackle, you ain't drafting a guy in the third or second round who ran a five second 40. I think Vanderbilt's pro day could actually be pretty interesting because coming into the year, I really liked Keyshawn Vaughn. I liked Kalaja Lipscomb. I liked Jared Pinkney. I mean, we see a lot of traits that would translate well to the NFL. I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn has moments of brilliance. He single-handedly kept them in the game against LSU this past year. He's got so much explosive ability. Kalaja Lipscomb, you know, kind of like what Ryan was saying, they had some issues at the quarterback position this past year, which is inevitably going to impact the pass catchers as well. And, you know, Kalaja Lipscomb, he's this, he's, he's you know, thin, he's long, um, he's able to make catches down the field. He's got pretty good hands. I mean, there are traits that would translate to the NFL. So I'm actually interested to see how some of those guys perform because I think they could really help themselves um, as we get closer to the draft. Okay, fair enough. Two secondary guys from the SEC. One, uh, both made this list. Cameron Dantzler, cornerback out of Mississippi State, Pro Day March 26th. And uh, Grant Delpit. Safety out of LSU, hard-hitting guy, uh, pro day for LSU. You're going to want that pro day for LSU because there are about 42 guys who could creep into the first three rounds uh, because everybody left, including Joe Burrow. April 3rd for LSU. That's a really late pro day, huh, Josh? Yeah, it is pretty late. Um, it gives them a great opportunity to continue preparing and, you know, put a put, put forth a good performance. Um, Delpit, you know, you look at his 2018 tape and you're like, man, this guy is a top-ten player. He's a day one starter, you know, everything about him you love. And then this past year, production is down. His tackling is a bit of a concern. At the combine, you know, he's he's saying it was a high ankle injury. And, you know, however much you want to believe that, obviously the medicals are going to tell the, you know, tell the tale. But we don't have access to those. We don't know what his, what his medicals look like. But he's a guy that is getting a lot of wide-ranging opinions um, so I'm curious where he's going to go. It's, it usually falls somewhere in the middle. It only takes one team to take him, as we all know. So he could still go in the first round. I think there are definitely some concerns in those meetings, the medicals. Those were the important things for Grant Delpit at the NFL Combine. It wasn't so much what he did on the field, even though he didn't do much. But those were the important aspects of his week in Indianapolis. Um, you mentioned Dantzler as well, Four six four. We kind of wanted to see a lower time from him. He was pretty disappointed in, in himself. Uh, you know, he went to Twitter and expressed that. I think he's looking to run a better time at Mississippi State's Pro Day, and I would expect that of him. I mean, this is a guy that's getting a lot of buzz right now, um, kind of like 
Auburn's Noah Igbenogany. I think those are two guys that have really elevated their status here in the past month, two months. Um, and I think Danzler would really stand to benefit from a strong pro day here. Would you this month? March 26 for Danzler yeah. in Mississippi State. Do they ring the? Do you think they ring the cowbells at uh, at the pro days? You know, you know. I mean, they. You're not like a Mississippi State guy, right, Josh? No. Okay, just making sure before I lashed on them. Uh, be like, actually, I'm, uh, my father is a uh, tenured professor. Uh, no, so we played them in a, NC State played them in a bowl game the year that Dak was, Dak's final year. They ring those friggin' bells for the entire 60 minutes. It's horrible. You know like, what? You wouldn't, this wouldn't be an issue for you now because you're off Twitter because you got in trouble when you were on Twitter. Who'd you offend? All the fans. No, didn't the AD get after you too? Oh yeah, the AD, the, the the team, the like the volleyball team's Twitter. Everybody was coming after me. I was we were walking to the game. I was like, "This is outrageous! These lunatics need to be put in jail." They ring these bells. They have cowbells. They bring cowbells to game, and the entire fan base rings them for sixty minutes. How? Why would you do that to yourself? Can you guys just stand there clanging cowbells for sixty minutes? Who wants to hear that? It's ridiculous. I think your Twitter. The response to your 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 tweet uh, gave, gave you that answer. Well, I guess a lot of people in Mississippi like to. Also, they beat with. the living crap out of NC State. Dak Prescott was, went nuts. Who was a state quarterback that year? Uh, probably would have been um, exactly. Jacoby. No, no, Jacoby's older than Dak, isn't he? Uh, let's see, Dak Prescott Belk Bowl box score. How about that? Why you Google it? <laughs> Cameron Dancer, I liked a lot. If he had run a four or five or something, he would be borderline first round, second round pick. It was, was Jacoby. I was right. It was okay. Yeah, it was probably his second year of treasury. Uh, actually, there's a ton of um, Naeem Hines was on that team. Jalen Samuels. Um, no excuses. Fifty-one to twenty-eight. That's a whooping. That is a whooping. Dak went twenty-five of forty-two for three hundred eighty yards, four touchdowns, one pick, and he ran twelve times for forty-seven yards. Let's see, they had. Uh, they didn't, they didn't have anybody on that team. Fred Ross? They didn't have anybody on this team, man. Mm. That's, mm. I mean, they ring the cowbells for 60 minutes, but it, it persists a lot longer than that. You keep hearing the ringing in your ears oh, well were, after the game. Were, you, like, wake up in the middle of the night with, like, sweats, like, just fear of going through it again. It's that was it's an incredible home field advantage for them. I won't take that away from them. But, man, if you're an opposing fan, it is annoying. Yeah, it stinks. Um Anyway, do you want to add more on Dancer, or do you want to move on and talk about he the games? I, I, I hope he runs better as a pro day because he's he's a really good player. That LSU game, he played really well uh, against those LSU wide receivers, and he didn't all look slow, but clearly that four six four says otherwise. Well, I certainly hope that they don't ring the cowbells while he's trying to run the forty. Maybe he needs them to ring the cowbells. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe that's what it is. Uh, so anyway. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will talk about what the teams in the NFC East need heading into their draft. How will What will Dave Gettleman do? Will the Redskins trade out of number two? Will Dave Gettleman stun us by standing pat and taking another running back? NFC, draft need, NFC East draft needs next. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Start with the Giants, because why not? You know, start. Actually, that's not even starting at the bottom. The Giants finished above the, the Redskins, but we'll start with the Giants anyway. Uh, it's not alphabet, is it alphabetical? No. I don't even know how Debo ordered this. I don't care. Giants first. We'll go with it. It's Debo's show. I'm just here for uh, the words. What is the most glaring need for the uh, for the New York football Giants right now, Josh? Edge rusher, cornerback, offensive tackle. I mean, just you could you just pick one. You know what I mean? Like they were trying to get their edge rusher situation solved last year. Linebacker is a, is a situation they need to get solved as well because um, you know we're talking about Isaiah Simmons possibly their number four. We're also talking about Chase Young if he were to fall, which I don't think that's likely. You're also talking about Tristan Wirfs, which. Seems kind of like the uh, the old chip into the green that, that Dave Gettleman is accustomed to. And then you've got Jeffrey Okuda, who could possibly be on the board as well. So, I mean, there's three guys right there that could help solve a lot of problems in their offense or defense. Um, and we don't expect Gettleman to trade down. That's not did really you, in his nature. Did you have a golf uh, a little golf phrase in there? Was that a golf phrase? Chip in the green? a golf phrase, yeah. Okay, I thought yeah, so. I see the, the 18th green back there, uh, the – the flag on the back of the wall or behind yeah. you? Yeah. yeah your it's, left it's, it's, it's eerily dark in here. I forgot to turn the lights on when I came up. You, the, yeah, the I, look like, a, I look like a creep, so I, I was going to apologize for that. Frankenstein's uh, laboratory. Over <laughs> it's also getting dark here. Uh, by the way, daylight savings time, the worst. I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't get it. My disdain or the daylight savings? Oh, the daylight savings. What are we doing? Yeah. I I mean, like, look, what's, what these people need to understand is that while it's great that we've got extra time when it's sunny some of us have small children and we need it to get dark so we can send them to bed and that's as soon as this daylight savings times flips and the small kids the 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 daylight savings times wrecks their dietary habits all of a sudden they're like starving at 11 for you blackout shades just put those things down at 6 p.m no matter what bedtime by the way as long as we're talking about things not pertinent to have you guys been washing your hands a lot more more recently Obviously. Yes, obviously, are your hands dry as hell now? Like, yeah. I, oh my gosh, my hands are like I like have the old people hands. So, uh, yeah, I didn't know if it was strictly related to the fact I've been washing my hands more often, or if it was, you know, 
we moved into this new house. I don't know what the water pressure is like here, so it could have been that as well. I don't know. Josh, but yeah, my hands my hands are definitely a little bit drier these days. Actually, mine are pretty mine are pretty fine. Maybe you're it could be. Uh, they say that one of the big signs of Corona is uh, dry and itchy hands. Uh, and you guys are both in Indianapolis, and you both have dry hands. Um, my yeah. hands would always get really dried out, uh, and like it, in Indianapolis for some reason. Yeah, because it's, it's it's forty mile an hour winds and it's twelve degrees. I think it's because you know you're constantly like putting your hands in your pocket, like you're wearing jeans, uh, and you're yeah. constantly putting your hands in and out of your pockets because it's freezing. And you so wear up, like, super tight pants, so that it's hard for you to get your hands in there. Do I wear super tight pants? No. <laughs> uh, by the way, the giant pants, man. I, uh, bought a new pair of I, pants. I, I know exactly what you mean. When you put your hands, like they they scrape up against the, the pockets. I get yeah. it. Um, the just so the anyway the, the giants. giants. I have them taking Isaiah Simmons, Ezra Cleveland with their two. They don't have a third round pick because they traded it for Leonard Hamilton. Uh, not Leonard, Leonard Williams, sorry, Leonard Hamilton, the coach of the the former coach of the Florida State uh, Seminoles. Um, but here's the thing that I think would happen. Josh reeled off all the all the things that the Giants need. I fully expect Dave Gettleman at number four to take defensive tackle Derek Brown, <laughs> just because that's exactly what they don't need, and that would be the most Dave Gettleman thing ever. He could trade down, get a bunch of picks. Nah, I'm going to take Derek Brown. I'm gonna gonna uh, hog mile it up in the middle of that defense. It would be a very Dave Gettleman move to do. Um, I really think that they have to figure out a way. If you're gonna have Daniel Jones and you want to have an athletic uh, quarterback like that, I really think that you need to um, to uh, offensive line. Yes, to go with offensive line. I'm reading your mind. Yeah, that would be the the smart thing to do. But you know, he ain't trading down, and. Um, is he going to consult the analytics guys this time? Who knows? Uh, maybe he will. I bet he will. I think it would actually be interesting if, if, if they get a big offer to move down. Like, I think he might actually consider it because then he could say, we talked to the analytics guys and they said this would be a good move. So I figured, you know, we'll just do that. And then we got multiple picks. It's not my style, but I thought it would be, you know, a good thing. I don't even know if he sounds like that, but that's a good impression. Yeah. That's a, it's not really a, I don't, I can't do a very good, uh, Dave Gettleman impression, honestly. I don't know where Dave Gettleman's from. He's from, he's from, uh, the Northeast. Oh. He's from, the, he might be from the, like, Brooklyn. You know what? There's a, uh, there's an app for this. What's it called? He's from Boston. Boston. He's from, oh. he has a deep Boston accent. He's 68. Right. Okay. All right. Um, 69, cool. actually. Just turned 69. Oh. Nice. All right. So, uh, what 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 prospects? I think it's pretty obvious what we do. What they're going to do at the top, Josh. What uh, Ryan has him going? Ezra Cleveland uh, with their second round pick. Do they they don't have a third round pick because they traded it for Leonard Williams? Oh no! Uh, who would you eye as a possible second round target, Josh? And is there um, maybe any other? I mean, I, you know, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want you to have to give me a you know fourth or fifth round target here, but like anybody else that you think could make sense for what the Giants need. Well, let me tell you who they're going to add as an undrafted free agent. I've got a whole list of them here. <laughs> uh, no, well, you know, it depends on what they do at number four, obviously. But if they take Tristan Wirfs, they're probably not going to take an offensive tackle. Um, so then you can look at the wide receiver position. You can look at linebacker. If you look at linebacker, you've got Patrick Queen from LSU. I don't think Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma would be there at that stage. Uh, Jordan Brooks is a guy from Texas Tech that gets a lot of buzz as well. Um, wide receiver Denzel Mims has uh, made himself a lot of money over the, the past couple of months. And T. Higgins. I mean, you know, if T. Higgins is still there, that's a possible 
option for them at uh, number 36 as well. So, I mean, they've got they've got a lot of options there at the top of the second round. It just kind of depends what they do with that number four pick overall. I think it's interesting. Whoever they take as an offensive tackle, they're almost going to have to play right tackle because you're so committed to Nate Solder. I mean, he's got a $19.5 million cap hit in 2019, 20.5 in 2020. I think they'll probably cut him before we get to that point. But the dead cap is $13.5 million. So you, you really can't get that off your books at this point in time. So whoever you bring in is almost going to have to play right tackle initially. Um, and so maybe you maybe you use that number four pick on a guy like Isaiah Simmons or Jeffrey Akuda, somebody like that. And then you swing back around in the second round and take an offensive tackle. But those are some of the positions that I'd probably look for at the top of the second. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Spot on about the, the you, know, you could it's certainly you can get out of the deal and save six, you know, six and a half million dollars in cap space, but they need help in offensive line too badly. And well, look, a lot of times you take, uh, you know, you take guys early in the first round and you put them out on the left tackle spot. You do it with a mobile quarterback, a guy who likes to use his legs a lot. And you can make life really difficult for that young player at left tackle because the spotlight is on them. If Daniel Jones is getting sacked, he's fumbling a ton. I mean, it just, it, it would make more sense to me to put him at right tackle or, you know, find, find like a, like Tristan Worse. I feel like couldn't he slide inside maybe? I don't know. I just assume anybody from Iowa can play all five positions of the offensive line. Yeah, you got to be careful about that. There's uh, some pretty pretty strong supporters of him at offensive tackle. I think he could be okay. a tremendous. But people have talked about people have yeah, talked about I think him he could be right? fantastic inside yeah. if he were to do that. But if you're going to take him at number four overall, you're probably going to leave him at offensive tackle, and I think he could hold up there, um, no problem. So I, I wouldn't move him if I took him at number four. But I certainly might. <laughs> exactly, that's the point. I mean, he is. You take this guy from Iowa who is like the safest pick ever because Kirk Ferentz, you know, is is so good with the offensive line positions. Uh, that is the – that seems like a Dave Gettleman pick, and I think that's why a lot of people keep going back to that because it is kind of safe um, there at number four overall. But, I mean, I, I see arguments for offensive guard and offensive tackle, but I would leave him at offensive tackle. Uh, Ryan, the Washington Redskins have picks number 266, 98, 130, 194, and 207. They have a lot of needs. They've cut Josh Norman. They're moving. They're, the defense is, you know, overgoing wholesale changes. There's talk that maybe they could, you know, end up with a situation where they need edge rush help too. Uh, what, uh, what do you, would you rather have Chase Young at two or a trade down where you got multiple first round picks this year? Hypothetically from the, like, would you rather have five and 18 or two? Oh. I'll give you, I'll ask both of you guys this. I don't think I talked to you about it on the podcast before. Uh, a few mock drafts ago, I did have trades and I had them trading down from number two. And would you rather have Chase Young or would you rather have Isaiah Simmons and Henry Ruggs? I mean, Isaiah Simmons and Henry Ruggs. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I kind of think I would, I feel like I'm contradicting myself because I think we had a similar situation the last time we talked about this. And I said, no, I'd take Chase Young, but I think I just keep liking Isaiah Simmons more and more each time I see him. So I would probably lean towards Isaiah Simmons and Henry, Henry Ruggs right now. Yeah. I, I just I just think that in that particular example with this particular draft class, I don't think this always applies by any stretch of the imagination that you want to have 5 and 18. But 5 and 18 in this draft is going to produce almost certainly – well, 5 is going to give you a stud. To me, there's, there's at least, if you, once you factor in the quarterbacks, if you're sitting at five, you're going to get a blue chip guy in this draft. Um, at 18, then you are very likely to get a strong wide receiver 
or maybe like another, you know, edge guy. This draft to me is deep enough in that 10 to, or let's say seven to 40 range that I would rather have multiple picks. Um, just because like, yeah, the, the, just the way that this works is a lot of times somebody like, Ch- even somebody like Chase Young can bust out a little bit. So would you rather have Nick Bosa or Isaiah Simmons and Henry Ruggs? Because Nick Bosa, you know what you got. Chase Young, you're not sure. I would take Nick Bosa. I would take Nick Bosa as well. Now, where it gets scary is number three and number four. You could possibly lose Chase Young and Isaiah Simmons right there. So (laughs) then you'd be forced to take, like, you know, I I shouldn't say forced because Jeff Okuda is such a fantastic player. I mean, he's everything that you look for in the quarterback position. But if you're talking about those two guys as your top two targets at number two overall – then you're looking at a possibility of not having either on the board when you do move back to number five. So I think that's the scary part of it to me. Um, but that's what you have to weigh when you make those decisions. It would, would, you be- have, would you rather have Nick Bosa or Kyler Murray? Kyler. Or who? The Redskins? The, the answer is Kyler. I'm just saying it's, it's interesting. Well, I don't know. If you're the 49ers, I'd rather have Nick Bosa. But I don't like if you're the Redskins, I don't know if you'd rather have Kyler Murray. I think the 49ers would be happy with Kyler Murray right now. He'd be he'd be pretty good at Kyle Shanahan's scheme. Certainly. Anyway, right, we have, we have derailed the Redskins. Uh, I have them taking Chase Young, and then in the third round, I have them taking Chase Claypool. They're only drafting uh, Chases, uh, the wide receiver at Notre Dame who ran like a four four something crazy for weighing two hundred thirty eight pounds. He could help uh, scary Terry McLaurin, and um, I think Redskins fans are eager to get a wide receiver in this class too. Any other thoughts on uh, top needs there, Josh? Um, tight end comes to mind now since Jordan Reed is gone. Offensive yeah. line, you know, same. same well, and we, and we, I agree with offensive line. We got to see what they do. Are they going to tag Brandon Scherf? Are they going to, you know, give Trent Williams a new contract? Because if they lose both of those guys, then all of a sudden it really changes like the paradigm of what we expect for the Redskins this offseason. They would go from needing, you know, a lot of help other places to holy crap, Dwayne Haskins is behind a terrible offensive line. Yep. Exactly um, right. All right. The Dallas Cowboys. What's their most glaring need, Josh? This is one of the most interesting teams to me this offseason because they have so many guys scheduled to hit free agency. I mean, Michael Bennett, Robert Quinn, Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott, Randall Cobb, Jason Witten, Byron Jones. The list goes on and on. They've got so many contributors that they have to make decisions on those guys first. So this is, you know, we talk about how much the draft is going to change after free agency. This is the epitome of that of that situation because they have so many decisions to make on their own team before they can decide what they're going to do in the draft so tight end defensive line secondary those are the the areas that you have to focus on because i think defensive line and secondary and probably tight end as well were all positions that you were going to have to focus on regardless of what you do in free agency yeah and look again this is pre-free agency, and so we need to know what the Cowboys do with Amari Cooper, what they do with Dak Prescott, what they do with Byron Jones. That all changes it, Ryan. But I think what Josh says is spot on. Yeah, and I think whatever happens in free agency, they're still going to need a safety. They plan probably to do that through the draft. I haven't taken uh, Alabama's Xavier McKinney in the first round. I haven't taken LaVisca Chenault, which I mentioned in round two. And then in round three, I haven't taken cornerback Darnay Holmes out of uh, UCLA. Uh, we'll see what happens with Byron Jones. We'll see what happens with – I mean, is Jason Witten coming back or is he done? We know. Uh, it sounded like he is going to go somewhere else. Like they, they're, they're like he might go to the Giants and play with Jason Garrett. Is he going to take his wig with him, or is he going to leave that? No. <laughs> Wig's out, man. Wig's toast. All right. So tight end, certainly a possibility. Uh, any other thoughts on the Cowboys? They're 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 hard to deal with until you know exactly what they do with all these 
Um, they've done a good job drafting though in recent years. And it's to me not entirely difficult to, to draft for them. Why did I feel like it's easy to mock for the Cowboys? I just give them the best safety. There's always like Delpit or Xavier McKinney. Yeah. Or they're not going to sign. I don't think they're going to sign a safety. Yeah, right. unless like Javon Kinlaw slips there. I mean, that's that's kind of the exception here in, in yeah. recent projections. But say, I mean, secondary otherwise is kind of the the easy option because they probably need cornerback help and safety help, regardless of what they do with Jeff Heath, Byron Jones, and free agency. Yeah, it's like interesting. So a team like the Cowboys and the Eagles apply for this as well. We'll talk about them in just a second. But like, it's it's always nice when you're doing mock drafts and the team a team's needs, et cetera match up with their draft spot. So like the Cowboys are at 17, like it's just where the safeties and the defensive linemen come off. And it's like easy to slot them in there. And then with the Eagles, it's the same thing as well. Um, I think it's fair to say that one of the Eagles top needs is wide receiver, right? Yep. Wide receiver, cornerback, edge rusher. Um, who do you want at 21 Debo? What position? I want probably secondary, but I would settle for it depends on one of the receivers that are available. Yeah, I had Justin Jefferson going this time. I love Justin Jefferson, especially after he ran that four four three. Um But again, this wide receivers class is so deep. Maybe you take CJ Henderson, the cornerback out of Florida, if he's there or or one of the other guys. Um but yeah, I had Justin Jefferson going round one, Malik Harris Harrison, the Ohio State linebacker going round two, and Michael Ojamedia out of uh, Iowa, the cornerback going in round three to I don't know if that's the sexiest Eagle strap, but it addresses some needs. I think Howie Roseman kind of knew the shape that his roster was in, even last year. They were clearly planning for Jason Peters to walk in free agency. That's why they drafted Andre Dillard. You look at this roster, I mean, there's several guys that are, you know, over the age of 30 that they're going to have to replace in the coming years. Brandon Graham, uh, Malcolm Jenkins, Jason Kelsey, Vinny Curry. So I would not be surprised if they do not get the wide receiver there, if they target one of those positions to possibly fill a role uh, for the future and kind of plan ahead because, you know, Howie Roseman's a guy that plays a couple steps ahead. So um, those would be some other positions that I would potentially look for if they do not take a wide receiver at number 21. Yeah, and it's worth, I think it's worth noting that um, – so the Eagles have used two first-round picks on wide receivers since 2009. So that's a, you know, it's a long time. Uh, Jeremy Macklin in 2009, Andy Reid obviously running the ship then. Um, and then, uh, and then Nelson Aguilar, who's, who's likely going to go be disparaged by random people in the news in some other city. Uh, moving forward, Aguilar was a Chip Kelly pick. And so like, you almost wonder, like, you look at how he, how he, how, how he drafts. And I think he does go best player available. Like, I don't think he's trying to like outthink it, but it seems like he likes to build from the, from the line. You know, you see Andre Dillard, Derek Barnett, Carson Wentz, obviously he took in the first round too. Um, you know, they had Marcus Smith as a draft pick. That was a Kelly pick too, I think. But Fletcher Cox, Danny Watkins, Brandon Graham, they just had so much success building out for the offensive and defensive lines that I would not be surprised at all if they went in that direction here or even the secondary piece that got a cornerback, something, somebody to build up that secondary with the first pick and then came back and got a wide receiver in the second pick. But if he loves Henry Ruggs or he loves Justin Jefferson, maybe that changes. The depth of this class at wide receiver, I mean, that's got to be a consideration. You could possibly get a pretty solid option in the second or third round. Ryan talked about Van Jefferson earlier. I mean, I've watched a lot more of him recently. I love his tape. He's just such a technician at the position, the way he you know, cuts his routes, the way he the anticipation, the, the the same page that he was on with Kyle Trask this year, 
was just really impressive. He's just really good at, at everything that he does from a technical standpoint. I think I'm pretty interested to see what he runs in the 40. I'm sure Ryan is as well. But that's a guy that could be had in the second, possibly even the third round. And if you have an opportunity to get a different position rather than reach for a wide receiver in the first round, I think you have to take advantage of that because with the depth at quarterback and offensive tackle, some of these better prospects are getting pushed down. Some guys that we typically would not see at that point in the first round. So when they come on the clock, you know, maybe you weigh the possibility of trading down. Maybe you stay there. Maybe you trade up. They've got so many options but that number 21 pick is probably more valuable this year than what we've seen in previous years. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's funny you mentioned Van Jefferson. He's going to be 24 when the season starts, so I don't know if that's an issue for teams. There was some conversation he didn't run at the combine because he wasn't going to run that fast. But I was um, actually watching Noah Igbenogany the other day, and they were playing Florida. And you watch him, and that dude is so solid when he plays. And he stumbled. He got beat at the line of scrimmage. And I was it surprised me, and I went back and watched. It was Van Jefferson running the route. So that that's Van Jefferson. I mean, he may he may run a four six five. I don't know, but you can't cover that kid. It's amazing how easy it is for him to get open, despite the quote unquote lack of athleticism that some of these other kids have. But uh, I, I, if he won the second round, I'd be fine with that. I think he's I think he's that good. We'll see what he runs, but and, and you know, it's age is a concern. But if it's not, I feel like he's a guy who could have sort of a Terry McLaurin type come out of nowhere season next year, even if he doesn't run a four three. All right. It's good draft chatter. Anything else uh, related to the NFC East? I like draft chatter. I can sit back and let you guys do the, the hard Andrew, manual dungeon, labor. Dungeon. I got to take a picture of you sitting there in that scary room. It's like uh, apparently my son, I just heard my wife walk in with our, that's the other reason why I'm fine wrapping up this podcast is my supper's downstairs. Um, supper. uh, shrimp okay. quesadilla. Andy Griffith. <laughs> and, uh, my supper. And, uh, apparently she walked in and my son was on his iPad in the dark too. So it's like, this is like father, like son. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, it looks like the out. promo for like a paranormal activity type movie. Like, you know, yeah. something moves in the background and, you know, cut the scene, you know. It, be- it's it's actually a little creepy when you look at it and you're sitting here because you're like, this is, I'm in the dark in here. Like, it's a little yeah, weird. Like uh, Dracula uplighting too with your, your uh, laptop. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's yeah, a new it's, haha situation. Um, like Saw four up in there in your, in your, in your room. Yeah. Be careful. Yeah, the NFC East is weird. It's, it's a very like kind of straightforward draft thing like these teams aren't really that good the eagles are fine the cowboys you know what they gotta they gotta take care of their business but like they sort of like you got two and four and then uh what 17 and uh 21 and it's like their needs sort of just kind of fit with what they have in the landing spots it's not hard to look at the nfc east and figure it out uh it is hard however to look at free agency and deal with all that which is why we'll do that on the podcast starting tomorrow the super friends will break down running free agent running back rankings Austin Eckler won't make it because he just signed a big deal. We'll talk about that a little bit. Derrick Henry, Melvin Gordon, Kenyon Drake, Kareem Hunt. Where will they all land? How much will they all get paid? We will tell you tomorrow. Josh, Ryan, great stuff as always. Talk to you guys soon.